Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of Notes to the Apocalypse. Uh, my name is Tycho Alhambra, thank you for listening. And this is future Tycho breaking in. I'm so sorry everybody, this is not Notes to the Apocalypse, this is the Weird Tales podcast. Notes to the Apocalypse was a podcast that my wife and I did several years ago when we were dating. It was very short-lived and not very good. Um, there are no copies of it anywhere, you cannot listen to it, much to my chagrin. But, uh, alright, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry about that, I don't know why I said that. Now back to your regularly scheduled programming. I hope everybody is is staying safe. I hope you're all staying sane. I know this is a rough time and that being stuck inside all day, all week, all month has not been a fun time. I hope that you are managing to keep uh, keep busy and keep your, your mind working. Um, I hope that I've been able to help with some of that in some way, somehow. I don't know, but... Um, you are always welcome to go back and listen to back episodes. Uh, me and my wife did the entire audiobook of Dracula. Uh, so we have Dracula just up there if you want to. If you've never read it, Dracula is an amazing book. It's my probably, possibly, my favorite novel of all time. Um, and we have it up there. Just go back to October of 2018. And uh, it, it's there. Both of us are reading it. There's a 45-minute blooper reel. It's amazing. Uh, anyway, thank you for listening. I really appreciate it. Um, please, please, please. Stay indoors. Social distance. Don't go anywhere if you don't have to. I work in a restaurant and there are people that just come all day long and it's like, you're not helping. Go away. If you are going to be one of those people who go out to a restaurant, please make sure to tip the staff. You don't have to tip like 100%, but like tip and tip nicely because they're out there risking their health, not to put too fine a point on it, risking their lives. So, you know, just please be nice. Understand that a lot of other people are there too and things are crazy and just be patient, be nice, tip your restaurant staff. You shouldn't go to a restaurant, you should be staying indoors, but there it is. Please, please, please stay indoors, we will get through this together, I promise. The Day They Let Bernard Leave by John Robinson Honey, honey, you need to get up, he heard his wife saying. He opened his eyes and immediately began to squint at the bedside table, searching for his glasses. They were placed in his hand. Here you are, dear. Bernard put them on and blinked as the world swam reluctantly into focus. Jill was standing by the bed, already dressed. Bernard rubbed at his eyes for a moment, incredulous. Jill was never out of bed by the time he left for work, much less ready to go out. Instead of her customary robe and slippers, she was dressed in a suit he had not seen her wear since she was laid off two years back. Bernard blinked again for good measure, but the fact that his wife looked good remained. Just as a smile began to form on his face, he suddenly realized that if Jill was already dressed, then it had to be almost noon. He had overslept and was now extremely late for work. He jerked his head around to look at the clock on the bedside table. It's only six, Bernard. You're not late, she reassured him. Bernard breathed a sigh of relief. Two years he had been working on a promotion. One day of waltzing in past nine o'clock and you could shove all that out the window. That worry discarded, he proceeded to smile at his wife. As his mind was drawn further out of sleep, he looked her up and down. He decided that, given further, more conscious inspection, she looked better than good. She looked absolutely stunning. You look wonderful, he told her. I always liked that outfit. Special occasion? If there was one, he had no idea what it might be. He checked his internal calendar. Could he have missed her birthday? No, of course not. It was, it was April, and Jill's birthday was in October. Another thought struck him. It's not my birthday, is it? No, of course not. His birthday was in January. Yes, a very special occasion. 
Would you like some breakfast? Jill asked cheerily. I went out earlier this morning and bought all your favorites. Wheat bread for toast with that blackberry jam, eggs, and some bacon. For a moment, Bernard didn't know what to say. He could not believe what he was hearing. Jill hated to make breakfast. She had told him so on more than one occasion. While the office cafeteria had decent eggs, he had missed in vain the days when his wife used to cook for him. He offered once to make her breakfast instead, but she had simply stayed in bed until he left for work, rising only to get some coffee in preparation for the parade of talk shows and soap operas. Jill, he said finally, I would love some breakfast, but are you sure you would like to make breakfast? He chose his words carefully, remembering one day several months ago when he had almost run late. He asked her to pour him a bowl of cereal. She had yelled and thrown a book at him. Based on this, he decided that he might need to be ready to dodge a projectile at any moment. Still, he reminded himself, she had made a trip to the supermarket for him. She leaned forward, and Bernard almost flinched. Of course I would like to. It's a day unlike any other day. Anything you want, Bernard. She looked to the closet. Go ahead and get dressed. I've already ironed your pants. Breakfast should be ready in about twenty minutes, so don't dally. She kissed him on his forehead, and then walked out of the room. Bernard watched his wife leave and then shook his head. He put two fingers to the place on his forehead where she had kissed him. He pinched himself as well, but from what he could tell, he was already awake. No, Bernard, he assured himself. This is actually happening. She had not kissed him in over a year, and that last one had been a cursory gesture at best. Any time he tried to make some kind of advance, no matter how small, she laughed or brushed it off as nothing. He sometimes wondered whether or not his wife was going through the change, whatever that meant. It was a term he had overheard one day on a television talk show. He kept meaning to go to the library and get some more information on it. It had not been a priority, though, for who wanted to suggest to their wife that she needed to see a doctor when it would give her an excuse to throw a hairbrush at you? He shaved and got dressed quickly, eager to go downstairs and receive further evidence that he was not hallucinating. Jill was in the kitchen, as promised, spooning some scrambled eggs onto a plate. "'Your timing is perfect,' she beamed and motioned for Bernard to sit. Bernard did as he was instructed. Jill placed his meal in front of him. He took several bites before the thought struck him. "'I wonder if she's finally gone over the edge and decided to poison me.' He looked down at his bacon, two pieces of which he had already consumed. "'Well, too late to worry about that now,' he decided, and continued eating." After another moment, he realized that Jill was not eating. Instead, she was standing, leaning on the back of another chair and watching him. "'You won't join me?' he asked, feeling somewhat braver since they managed to exchange words without a fight breaking out. "'No, dear, I'm not hungry right now. Just very excited,' she pointed at his plate. "'Is it good?' Bernard smiled. "'The best ever,' he said. "'I'm glad,' she continued to watch him. Bernard munched on a piece of toast. You said this was a special occasion, he prompted. Yes, I did, and yes, it is. She said no more. Bernard took a sip of juice. I see. He could not help but smile. And you're not going to tell me what it is. The look on her face made it obvious that she would love to tell him. Oh, Bernard, it's, it's such wonderful news. I, I do wish I could tell you, but they've told me I can't. Bernard stared at her. They? They who? Oh, you'll find out, Jill said, absolutely beside herself with not telling him. Mr. Cummings is going to give you the news when you get to work. It's all decided. Bernard nodded. I see. In actuality, he did not see at all. He was extremely confused, but so as not to upset his wife, he nodded. 
He finished his breakfast, looking uneasily at Jill the entire time. When he told her how much he enjoyed and appreciated the meal, she tried to tear his hand from his shoulders with an affectionate yet excruciating bear hug. "'I've already got your briefcase by the front door, and if you leave now you can be at the bus stop in time for the next run.' She escorted him to the foyer and then stopped, turning to face him. "'Bernard, there's something I need to say.' She cleared her throat and seemed to be searching for the right way to express herself. "'I... I know that our marriage hasn't been the easiest thing in the world, and, and that I haven't been the easiest person in the world to get along with.' Bernard tried to step in, thinking he was hearing a cue for him to do so. "'Jill, honey,' she shushed him. "'No, Bernard, it's true.' and we both know it, so just let me finish. We've we've both had our shortcomings, but I think we did okay for ourselves, all things considered, and, and I hope you agree. Before he could respond, she continued, So, when you finally do meet them, be sure to tell them about me. Don't, don't forget me, is what I'm trying to say. Unbelievably, a tear formed at the corner of her left eye. Bernard wiped the tear away, touched. Truly, he had no idea what was transpiring here. Another mention of them, whoever in the world they might be, and now his wife was talking as though she would never see him again. If the breakfast had been poisoned, he decided now the poison was a slow-acting one. He had to get out of the house, go to work, and simply hope that Mr. Cummings would have some answers for him. For all he knew, this was some vast joke that the guys at work had decided to play on him. Granted, his co-workers were the most humorless men that Bernard had ever had the disservice to work with, but at present, it was the most plausible theory he could muster. Sweetheart, he finally decided to say, How could I forget you? Jill embraced him violently again. That's the nicest thing anyone has ever said to me, she cried. Bernard could not help but think, I do isn't in the running? Jill released him and held him at arm's length. She was crying in earnest. Now, go. Go before you miss your bus. Definitely a chemical imbalance of some sort, Bernard decided firmly. He made a mental note to stop by the library after work and get some more information. He walked out the front door, stopping midway to the sidewalk to wave at his wife, who was dabbing at her face with a tissue. He rounded the corner and went to the bus stop. He sat down on the bench, shaking his head. What an extraordinarily strange day, he thought. Two minutes passed, and the bus pulled up. The doors swung open with a swish. Bernard stepped on and fished in his pocket for some coins. The driver looked at him, perplexed. He squinted at Bernard and then opened his eyes wide. Hey, buddy, the driver said. It's okay. Today it's on the house. Bernard looked at the driver as though he had gone mad. This was the same driver who would throw you bodily from the vehicle if you asked for change. The throwing would take place while the bus was moving if you had anything larger than a $1 bill. Come on, the driver offered amicably. My gift to you. Bernard nodded again, placating another mad person. He gave the driver as wide a berth as he could, given the enclosed space. When he was satisfied that he was out of grabbing and throwing range, and that the driver was now piloting the bus and thus too busy to assault him, he turned to make his way down the aisle and find a seat. The entire population of the bus was staring at him intently. A young woman at the front stood up. "'Here, sir, you can have my seat.' Bernard was about to tell her that it was perfectly all right, but she was gone, practically sprinting down the aisle. He said thank you and sat down. Everyone on the bus still watched him as though waiting to see what his next move would be. The young man to his right cleared his throat, preparing to speak. Bernard sat and braced himself for whatever might come next. 
Are, are you Bernard Robertson? The man asked tentatively. Bernard was beginning to wonder about the answer to that question himself. He went with the only answer he knew. Yes? The boy's face brightened, and a collective sigh shimmered throughout the bus. I thought so, he beamed. May I shake your hand? Bernard's eyebrows went up. Well, this is certainly an elaborate joke, he thought. I don't see why not, he told the young man, offering his hand. The young man shook it earnestly. It's a pleasure to meet you, sir. Thank you, Bernard said, his head ringing. The bus went eerily silent, and Bernard was glad the ride was only ten minutes long. That time was spent looking out the window and trying to pretend that everyone on the bus was not watching him look out the window. Bernard found himself wondering whether or not the change he suspected Jill was undergoing was somehow communicable. Finally, the bus crawled to a stop. Bernard shot up, ready to get out as soon as possible, find Mr. Cummings, and get some answers. The girl who had given him her seat stood up and back. "'Good luck, sir!' she called out, and was greeted with a chorus of agreement from the rest of the passengers. "'Thank you,' Bernard offered weakly as he stumbled onto the sidewalk. The bus drove off, everyone on board waving at him as it went. Bernard pondered a new possibility. Perhaps he had hit his head on something, and unbeknownst to himself, was lying in a hospital bed in a coma dreaming this entire day. At this point, it seemed to be the only explanation which could account for everything he had so far experienced. Because of this, he kept it waiting in the wings just in case he needed it. He was glad he met with little notice on his way into the building and during the elevator ride. However, what he did receive was more than enough. No one stopped to try and shake his hand, but everywhere people would stop and stare and whisper to one another in his wake. Bernard opened the door to his company's office and stepped in. The receptionist, a young brunette named Sandy, popped up from behind her desk as if somewhere a button had been pressed. She smiled. Mr. Robertson, I... He stopped toward her desk. Sandy, stop right there, he commanded. Now tell me, why do you look so happy to see me? Why, why is everyone so amazed and happy to see me? Most days you don't even look up when I walk into this office. Now you've got to tell me just what in God's name is going on. Her smile broadened. Mr. Robertson, I know you're confused. That's understandable, but Mr. Cummings is expecting you. They've asked him to explain everything to you. They? Who are they? Sandy fingered his necktie and dropped her voice. Listen, Mr. Cummings probably isn't expecting you for another ten minutes or so. You're actually early. Let's say we pop into one of the meeting rooms for a second or two. I've never made it with a guy who was... A door swung open to their right. Mr. Cummings stepped out. Sandy has, he began, and then his eyes found Bernard, who was being pulled by his tie toward the waiting lips of the receptionist. Bernie, he called out, taking large strides into the room. Bernard wondered at this. He never calls me Bernie. Mr. Cummings gave Bernard a hearty handshake and rescued him from Sandy's clutches. She blew a kiss as he was being led away. Sandy, hold my calls, Mr. Cummings declared over his shoulder. His office door swung shut. For some reason, Bernard thought that Mr. Cummings looked nervous. Have a seat, Bernie, have a seat. He gestured to one of the large plush chairs in front of his desk, and Bernard did as he was instructed. Mr. Cummings sat for a moment, unsure of himself. He fidgeted with his tie. Finally, he looked up at Bernard, and a grin spread across his face. Would you like anything? Coffee? Something? Uh, no, sir. Mr. Cummings' face became serious. Of course. Uh, you want to get to the bottom of what's been happening today. Bernard leaned forward in his chair. So you do know? Yes, Bernie, I do. 
It must have been pretty strange, not knowing why things are the way they are, right? Bernard nodded frantically. Uh, yes, sir. My wife, and then everyone on the bus. He didn't know whether he should mention that Sandy had propositioned him in the foyer of the office, so he left that part out. I understand. I've never seen this type of thing happen before, to be perfectly honest. I mean, I heard about it once, but you never believe that this type of thing goes on. I mean, it happens so infrequently. Bernard felt the shred of hope that someone was for once going to give him a straight answer fray out of existence. I'm afraid I don't quite follow you, Mr. Cummings. One of Mr. Cummings' hands went to his face. A finger tapped at his lips impatiently. His thoughts were momentarily heavy. Hmm. He finally sighed. No, Bernie, I, I'm afraid I don't make much sense talking about it. Maybe I wasn't the best choice to tell you, but, well, you know, they're always right. Bernard pointed at Mr. Cummings. See, that's the part where I lose it completely. Who are they? No matter who I talk to today, they're always referring to they, and no one will give me a straight answer. Well, I guess the main thing you need to know, Mr. Cummings continued, streaming past his employee's concern, and what I've been supposed to tell you, and doing a poor job of it, I might add, is that you're free to go. He held out his hands and smiled. You're free to go. He said this as if he were delivering a benediction to a sizable congregation. Bernard's jaw did more than drop at that moment. It tried to separate itself from the rest of his skull. I'm... I'm... He tried desperately to find enough air in his lungs to express himself. F fired? He finally croaked the last word out. Mr. Cummings' face went pale. No! Oh, no, 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 my dear boy, Bernie, no! He reached across his desk, took Bernard's hand and patted. No, no, forgive me, that's... That's not it at all. Not not it at all. After a minute or so of Mr. Cummings' frantic apologies, Bernard remembered how to breathe again. I'm so sorry, Bernie. It's, it's nothing like that at all. Bernard straightened up in his chair. So, what is it then? F free to go? I, I, don't, I don't understand. Let me put it to you as plainly as I possibly can, Mr. Cummings prefaced. Bernard leaned forward. This was the best proposition he had heard all day, even including Sandy's. You've been granted... A very special privilege. An honor, if you will. That's why everyone has been treating you strangely. A promotion? Bernard's mind anticipated. A raise? What? They've told us that you're free to leave. The experiment. Your part of the experiment is over, and you can go. Bernard's head reeled. He knew from experience that no one would answer him if he asked who they were, so he tried a different approach instead. What experiment? Mr. Cummings, I'm afraid I don't understand. It's quite all right, Bernie, Mr. Cummings reached for the intercom. I think the best thing is to let them explain it themselves. Bernard thought that sounded reasonable enough. Mr. Cummings pressed the intercom button. Sandy, please ask the gentleman to come in. Within moments, two burly gentlemen were squeezed into the office as well. Bernard eyed the two men in their white uniforms warily. These are them? he asked Mr. Cummings uneasily. No, no, my boy, Mr. Cummings shook his head. They're going to take you to them. At this, the two large men each clamped down on one of Bernard's arms. Hey, Bernard cried out, what are you doing? They began to drag him out of the office, oblivious to his protestations. He saw Sandy stand up at her desk. I offered, but you missed out, she said sadly. Just remember me when you see them, huh? Bernard jerked his head around and saw Mr. Cummings standing in his office doorway. Just relax. It's a great honor that's about to be bestowed upon you. He waved. Good luck, son. Remember me when you meet them. Remember how I always tried to be good to you. With that, the two men had carried him around a corner and down a long hallway. 
Where, where are you taking me? He asked them. Neither answered. Neither even looked at him. They kept their eyes focused straight ahead. Bernard finally quit looking up at them and followed their gaze. At the end of the hallway that held entrances to all the various conference rooms, there was a door marked Janitor. That seemed to be their destination. Bernard's mind, weakened by the morning, thought madly, That's my honor? They are going to make me a janitor? Within seconds, they had reached the closet at the end of the hall. One of Bernard's escorts stuck out a meaty hand and turned the knob. The door swung open to reveal white. There was nothing but white as far as the eye could see. Bernard tried to bring up a hand to shield himself from the glare, but seconds later determined that there was no glare to shield his eyes from. The two men pushed him through the door and then shut it behind him before he could protest. When he turned to bang on the door to demand he be let out, he had the stunned realization that the outline of the door was no longer visible. In fact, there was no evidence he had just passed through a portal at all. He took three steps forward, passed where he was sure the door should be, and encountered no obstacle. Instead, he saw only the white stretching out in all directions, with no real distinction between floor and ceiling or ground and sky. There was nothing else. Don't wander far, a voice behind him cautioned. I wouldn't anyway. Bernard turned around. Sitting on a bench, which he had not noticed before in his mad rush to return to wherever it was he had come from, was a man in a suit. He was leaning forward over his knees and with his hands between them, fidgeting aimlessly with the necktie he was no longer wearing. He looked over at Bernard with passing interest. I'm sorry, Bernard said, walking toward the man. What did you say? I said don't wander far. Those that do don't seem to ever come back. He looked out into the white void. I think they get turned around out there and wander around for, I don't know, eternity? Something like that. Bernard came over and sat down next to the man. I'm Bernard Robinson. He extended a hand. The man stared at the hand for a moment, perplexed, his eyes searching it. Then a thought crossed him. Oh, a handshake. I'm sorry. The man took Bernard's hand and shook it in earnest. It's been a long time, he laughed. Hang on. He fished in his coat pocket and produced his wallet. He flipped through it until he came to his driver's license. Frank, he addressed himself. Yes, that's right. Frank McDonald. That's me. Pleased to meet you, Bernard. Bernard stared dumbfounded as the man put his wallet away. You have been here a long time, haven't you, Frank? Frank nodded. I think so. Feels like it. Can't be sure. Watch broke a long time ago. Bernard looked down at his own watch. The LED read all zeros. Are we the only people here? Bernard asked. Hard to say, Frank confided. There were a couple of people here when I arrived, but they got sick of waiting, so they picked a direction and started walking. Never saw them again. Why didn't you go? What's the point? Look out there, Frank pointed into the seeming distance. It's all the same as it is here, except for this bench. At least here you can sit. What's the point? He shrugged. Bernard let a few moments pass, trying to let his thoughts coagulate into another question. So, what are we waiting for? Frank looked at him. Well, didn't they tell you? We're waiting for them. They'll explain everything. What do you mean by everything? I mean, why we're here. Why we were there. Frank gestured at the space where the door of a janitor's closet had been just minutes before. They'll explain everything. Another few moments of silence passed. Do you believe it? Bernard asked him. Frank frowned. Of course I believe it. What else is there? He sat back and relaxed. You don't have a smoke on you, do you? 
Bernard shook his head no. Don't smoke, huh? Smart man. Frank sighed. I've been trying to quit. Still, it'd be nice if they brought some smokes with them. Bernard considered asking Frank who they were, but instead found himself wondering what difference it made. He leaned back on the bench and tried his best to get comfortable. Thank you so much for listening, as you always do. I really appreciate it. That was The Day They Let Bernard Leave by John Robinson. Thank you so much for all of the support. Um, thank you for the ratings and the reviews. Please feel free to leave more ratings and reviews. Uh, if you want to contact me, you can email me at theweirdtalespodcast at gmail.com. If you want to uh, find me on Twitter, you can find me at weirdtalespod. Um, uh, other than that, the copy editing for uh, my own that I have written collection of weird fiction, the Colin Malatrap Museum of Curious Oddities and Strange Antiquities, has begun. Uh, I'm just going through it right now, just fixing all the spelling errors and little grammar bits and sentences I don't like. Uh, and then once that's done, I'm going to go through it with a fine-tooth comb, bring everything in line with everything else, and uh, just make sure everything meshes really well. And then I'm going to send it out to some beta readers. I already have some names picked out that I want to send it to. Um, and, uh, and then once I get their feedback, I'm going to incorporate all of their feedback, work it all through. And then uh, uh, me and my wife, we're going to record an audiobook version of it. And I'm going to do a, uh, uh, just another copy of it. And then it will be for sale and available for you to buy. Uh, and I really hope you do because I really, really, I really, really like all of the stories. And that may be bias, um, but uh, I read a lot of weird fiction. Uh, like a lot of weird fiction and not just, not just the stories for the podcast. Like I have to read a lot to find the stories that I want and to find the stories that I'm like, Oh, let's not do that one. Um, but, uh, I think that all of these stories that I have in my collection are stories that I would without, without shame or fear or, you know, like I would, I would proudly put them all on my show, uh, because I think they're that good. Um, again, that may be biased. Anyway, I'm just, that's just, that's just a little pre-hype for uh, the Colin Maltrap Museum of Curious Oddities and Strange Antiquities coming soon. Uh, I also have an audiobook that I just finished recording and editing. I need to do some ADR for it, but then that'll be out. And hopefully about a month or two from now, it'll be available for you to buy. Uh, the copy of the Magna Carta that I recorded is available on audible.com. You can find it on there. Uh, other than that, um, I think that's it. There's no blooper reel this week because I just kind of almost one-shotted it. There were only a couple of times I had to stop. Thank you all so much for listening. Please, please, please stay indoors. Uh, and uh, just even if even if and when like the, the, the shelter in place gets rescinded, please maintain distance. Please maintain contact. Don't crowd into places where there's a bunch of other people because it's still going to be out there and it's still going to spread. And we need to do everything we can to keep it from spreading until we have a working vaccine. So. That's at least a year away, if not a year and a half. So everybody, please just focus and hunker down. I know it sucks. I know it does, but whatever. I'm done talking now. So thank you for listening. I really appreciate it. And I will see you next week.